0: Hello and welcome to the ACS Nano podcast for July 2008. I'm Penelope Lewis, Managing Editor at ACS Nano, and I'm joined by my colleague Eric Martins. Hi, Eric.
1: Hi, Penelope, and hello, everyone. On today's show, we'll be talking to authors Prashant Kamat and Hu Gao about their papers in the July issue of ACS Nano. But first, we'd like to tell you about some of the other content in this month's issue.
0: The July issue features a nanofocus article by Grant Wilson from the University of Texas and Bernie Roman from Semitech on the 2008 Semitech Litho Forum held on May 12 fourteenth in Bolton Landing, New York. This meeting is designed to assess the progress in advanced patterning technology and to produce consensus about the processes that will be used to manufacture the next generations of devices. In their focus article, Professor Wilson and Dr. Roman highlight key challenges and opportunities of some of the existing and emerging technologies that were discussed at the meeting and share some of the most exciting results that came out of this
1: forum. The July issue also includes a conversation between Editor-in-Chief Paul Weiss and Dr. Chun-Li Bai, Executive Vice President for the Chinese Academy of Sciences and President of the Chinese Chemical Society. Dr. Bai discusses the state of science and nanotechnology in China and compares the way scientists and professors are viewed in China compared to Western countries.
0: We also feature a nanofocus article by Professor Ali Javi from Berkeley on one-dimensional nanomaterials in honor of Kavli Prize winner Sumio Ijima. Professor Javi discusses the origins of this field and the applications of one-dimensional nanomaterials, including carbon nanotubes and nanowires. These articles are in addition to all our other exciting research papers spanning this field. For more of our journal content, visit us at www.acsnano.org. Graphene is a one-atom-layer thick sheet of SP2 carbon atoms and has shown great potential in electronic and optical applications due to its unique properties. In particular, composite structures consisting of graphene and polymer-based or semiconductor particles could be useful in catalytic or optoelectronic devices. Toward this goal, Prashant Kamat and his research team from the University of Notre Dame propose a new method for fabricating composite structures of graphene and titanium dioxide. Prashant joins us today to discuss his exciting results. Hello, Prashant, and welcome to the podcast.
2: Good evening. Uh, Nice to talk to you regarding our uh, interesting research on graphene and uh, semiconductor composites.
0: So we've heard a little bit about graphene and graphene oxide on this podcast um, in previous episodes, but can you explain the interesting composite structures of graphene and semiconductor nanoparticles in particular?
2: Yeah. Uh, First, tell me uh, why composites. Uh, Just to give you a background, that our research is sponsored by Department of Energy and focus on light energy conversion. And uh, with so much uh, interest in graphene, we thought that uh, we can use that as a mat to put our particles, which are photoactive, and uh, anchor them on this two-dimensional carbon mat and use them for our Photocatalytic process. And the first step is to make this kind of a composite. We started doing this by using graphene oxide in suspension and adding titanium dioxide semiconductor particles. And when you shine the light, we can see the interactions and uh, turning into graphene. Uh, that's what uh, we are doing it. In short, uh, this graphene semiconductor nanoparticle composites opens up new way to develop catalyst system, whether it is for solar cells or making solar hydrogen or uh, even developing fuel cell catalysts. So there is a really wide open area now.
0: So what are the current methods for preparing graphene or graphene-based composite structures?
2: Yeah, uh, interestingly, the graphene and graphite are there century old, systems and people have been playing for various reasons. But uh, with the new nano technology or nanoscale understanding of these materials, a new interest has emerged to make graphene sheets. And one simple way is just cleaving or peeling off graphene sheets from a graphite block. And uh, that's what most of the electrical engineers use them to study properties. This is one of the simplest methods. The other method is more uh, expensive and cumbersome by chemical vapor deposition. That can be done. There is also intercalation of graphite. But more interestingly, uh, which everybody uh, is sort of uses is a chemical oxidation method, which was even done about 100 years back. It involves treating graphite powder with uh, strong acid, and you open up some of this or break the carbon-carbon bond to make epoxides and carboxylates, that sort of separates out these graphite sheets. And normally these graphite sheets are held by these uh, uh, Van der Waals forces. And now because of these groups, they exfoliate, and you can suspend them and uh, treat them for uh, solution process it. So this is uh, what uh, most of the people use nowadays, uh, the chemical oxidation method.
0: So what about your method that you describe in your recent paper? How did you uh, reduce this graphene oxide and uh, combine it with the titanium yeah. dioxide? And
2: what normally people do is once you make this graphene oxide, uh, it is essentially non-conductive because you have broken those carbon-carbon bonds. You need to put back into the reduction stage, and people use like hydrazine, uh, or other chemical reductants to reduce it back but the problem with that method is once you reduce it they collapse back and aggregate uh, so what people do is they put put in a film and then reduce it in our method what we did was we prepared titanium dioxide particles and then added uh, to this graphene oxide and uh, the TiO2 likes to interact through the carboxylate groups as a result uh, it binds nicely to the graphene sheets, and once you shine the light, TiO2 being a uh, semiconductor, it's a large band gap semiconductor, and it's a UV excitation, causes this electron hole charge separation. And the holes are scavenged by ethanol, which is present in the system, and the electron gets transferred to the graphene. As a result, we get reduced graphene and within 5 to 10 minutes of shining uv light we see this change in color from brown to black
0: so your sheets your graphene sheets then have titanium dioxide particles intercalated or how are how is the morphology of your resulting structure yeah i see structure? like initially
2: uh, what we see is right now binding to the sheets you know on individual sheets we can see uh, like a, a scattered balls on a mat uh, so which is good in the sense that now we can anchor them uh, because of the carboxylic acid groups I was talking. It sort of binds to these graphene sheets and keeps them from collapsing back. So uh, this is a good news for developing uh, future catalysts.
0: So I'm interested in that. Can you sort of speculate on how you could use these sheets as uh, catalysts?
2: Yeah. You know, one thing is, as I said earlier, uh, TiO2 is uh, one of my favorite uh, chemical. The reason is it used everywhere, like paints, uh, toothpaste, and uh, uh, more interestingly, powdered donuts, and uh, your uh, white chocolate. So it is pretty much safe for environment, and people have used it. Uh, but in this case, we want to use them as a photocatalyst, for example, for splitting water. Uh, when you shine the UV light, uh, you can generate hydrogen and oxygen. And since the TiO2 is sitting on a mat, it can promote this charge separation by quickly accepting electrons from titanium dioxide. And then possibly if we have a platinum or some other catalyst, we can generate hydrogen uh, more effectively. So that is one of the aim we are trying to achieve. The other one, we want to use them as solar cells because you can make the films and with the catalyst distribution, we can... Probably get very high surface area and improve the performance of solar cells. So, another thing that we have succeeded so far, uh, or at least we have shown, is reducing the resistance of this film. So, uh, it can be used as a more conductive film also.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you're already really well on your way. So, thanks very much for coming on the show today and sharing your results with us.
2: Uh, thanks for the opportunity.
1: And now for some exciting news from ACS Nanotation, the community website for nanoscience and nanotechnology.
0: We are delighted to announce the NanoVision Image Contest winner for the month of June is Rawiwan Laucharansuk, a graduate student from the Wang Group in the Biodesign Institute at Arizona State University. Rawiwan received a $50 Visa gift card for her winning image called Sea Anemone, which can be viewed online at www.acsnanotation.org.
1: A new NanoVision winner is selected each month, so submit your nanoscience images today for a chance to win a $50 gift card. And be sure to check out our other features on ACS Nanotation, like Nanopix, the online journal club where experts review key papers in the field, or Nanotube, our video gallery where you can star in your own nanoscience-related videos.
0: Registration on ACS Nanotation is free, so visit us and register today at www.acsnanotation.org.
1: RNA interference is a process by which RNA is able to silence specific genes and has recently created much excitement for its possible applications in gene therapy and functional genomics. As with many gene-targeting techniques, the delivery method of the small interfering RNAs, or siRNAs, that mediate RNAi is a critical challenge in the development of the technology. Xiaohu Gao and Lifeng Qi addressed this issue by combining semiconductor quantum dots with amphipols to form a hybrid delivery system for siRNAs. Today, Xiaohu joins us from his lab at the University of Washington. Welcome to the podcast, Xiaohu.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: Let's start fairly basic. What is siRNA, and why are researchers so excited by its potential?
3: Um, as you just mentioned, that uh, siRNA uh, stands for short or small interfering RNA. Sometimes it's also known as uh, silencing RNA. It's really a class of uh, 20 to 25 mer RNA molecules that are involved in the RNA uh, process, RNA interference. Uh, which is a mechanism that inhibits gene expression at the stage of messenger RNA translation. SiRNA is the uh, key to the RNA process because they have uh, complementary sequences to the uh, targeted messenger RNA strands. Once the siRNA molecules binds or hybridized to the uh, target messenger RNA, protein complex, uh, such as a RISC, can cleave the target messenger RNA, uh, bre- uh, breaking it down to smaller pieces so that they can no longer be translated into proteins. The reason that uh, uh, sRNA has generated such a great deal of interest in both uh, basic biology uh, as well as uh, translational research is really because sRNA can knock down essentially any gene of interest. So many diseases, such as, say, cancer, uh, depend on the activities of multiple genes. So turning off or reduce the activity of a gene using sRNA could potentially uh, produce important therapeutic effect. That's why people are so excited about it.
1: So what are some of the current delivery systems for siRNA?
3: The uh, major problem for siRNA application is uh, specific and delir- uh, efficient delivery. There are a lot of interest in the uh, development of non-viral siRNA delivery methods. The most commonly used are probably lipids, such as lipofectamine, and also cationic polymers, such as uh, polyacetylene or PEI. The uh, delivery efficiency, however, for this existing uh, technologies, is still uh, not optimal, especially under in vivo conditions. Uh, well, actually, uh, there's, there's another limitation shared by all the uh, existing uh, technology, which is the lack of an intrinsic signal for long-term and real-time imaging of siRNA transport and release inside cells. So this kind of information could be very important. For example, it could provide uh, useful information on rational design, of sRNA carriers. Currently, uh, organic fluorophores are usually used uh, to label sRNA or the delivery vehicles. However, the uh, photo instability, uh, or in other words, the photo bleaching problem of, of uh, organic dyes, prevent long-term tracking of sRNA inside cells. So those are the current problems of the, the delivery vehicles.
1: So could you describe your method and um, help explain how your method addresses some of these problems?
3: Sure. Um, it's actually a very simple, uh, very simple approach for uh, SRN delivery. We basically combined two distinct types of nanomaterials. One is quantum dots, and the second is uh, amphipels, uh, or uh, amphiphilic polymers. Quantum dots are uh, fluorescent semiconductor nanoparticles. Previously, they were mainly used as uh, cellular or molecular imaging probes. Um, hundreds of papers on imaging has already been published, and we also contributed uh, several to the field. Um, Similarly, amphipals, they're linear uh, polymers with alternating hydrophobic and hydrophilic side chains. That's why they're called amphipals, amphiphilic, which is hydrophobic and hydrophilic. So this this, uh, special type of amphipal uh, were mainly used for solubilizing uh, hydrophobic proteins. They used to be used uh, to solubilizing uh, hydrophobic proteins and delivering them into uh, cell lipid bilayers. What was really surprising to us was that when we combine these two uh, nanomaterials, quantum dots and amphipel, we actually discovered previously uh, unfound uh, functionalities, such as cytoplasm delivery. The cargo no longer goes to the membrane and actually go inside the cells, um, and also SRN protection um, and uh, endosome escape. So now, this the uh, combination of these two nanomaterials basically pick up a new application, which is uh, drug delivery. That's uh, what we found in this paper.
1: And how are the sRNAs and uh, the amphipols able to escape from the endosomes?
3: That's because of the tertiary means and also the uh, carboxylic acid groups uh, in the amphipol, uh, which uh, act as a uh, proton sponge so that it can rupture endosome eventually.
1: And how effective is your method for siRNA delivery?
3: Uh, in terms of efficiency, it's, it's, it's so relative, right? So, so uh, in comparison... With the uh, gold standard reagent uh, lipofectamine, also PI polyethylene imine, uh, our quantum dot amphipod complex uh, has similar silencing effect to lipofectamine in serum-free media. In uh, complete cell culture medium uh, this serum, our particles actually perform much better than lipofectamine, um, and also our particles outperforms uh, PI in both serum-free uh, and also complete uh, medium in terms of the uh, silencing effect. Uh, one thing that we are not uh, uh, entirely clear in this paper is the uh, mechanism for this improvement. Um, likely, it's due to the uh, highly integrated functionality in the uh, nanometer-sized hybrid structure. It's the uh, wor- uh, organic-inorganic hybrid structure. The uh, functionality such as uh, um, SRIN binding, cell membrane binding, cell entry, uh, endosome escape, SRIN protection against enzyme uh, degradation. Is likely due to the combination of all these uh, functionalities, um, and also in contrast to the uh, commercial liposomes and also ionic kind of polymer-based SRN delivery vehicles, our nanoparticle SRN complexes they actually remain single, which uh, allows fast diffusion because of the compact size, um, and also opens new uh, possibilities for SRN application in vivo, because of the uh, large aggregates could be eliminated from uh, blood circulation very quickly. Uh, by the reticular endothelial system. So single uh, particles will have a better chance to reach a target.
1: So quantum dots have been shown in some previous studies to be toxic to cells, as have some other delivery methods of siRNAs. Can you comment on the toxicity of your QD amphipol particles?
3: Um, this is an excellent question. There are a lot of uh, argument uh, in the field on the toxicity of, of uh, quantum dots. Uh, because the quantum dots are actually made from uh, cadmium selenite, CDSE, uh, uh, and cadmium's highly toxic uh, chemical elements. Um, in our study, we actually observed very low toxicity of the quantum dots in cells. Uh, 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 this is perhaps not uh, too surprising, uh, because quantum dots are uh, uh, stable, encapsulated by the, amphipo-, the amphiphytic polymer. Um, for future uh, small animal-based SRN delivery and also imaging, we also... Uh, expect very low toxicity because the polymer coating should be stable over uh, uh, several months. That uh, that should be no problem. Um, uh, based on our current study on uh, in vivo imaging and also the st- stability studies of our quantum dot amphipoles in solution, we think that uh, for small animal imaging, uh, there should be no problem either. Um, however, I'd like to point out that the uh, quantum dots used here is really a prototype. For potential transitional research, which means that used in uh, larger animals or even human beings, we would like to use nanoparticles made from low or no toxicity materials, such as, uh, say, iron oxide. Uh, iron oxide are not used in this study or not used in the first place. It's because that uh, quantum dot based optical imaging are far more sensitive and also multiplexible than MRI imaging uh, based on uh, iron oxide nanoparticles so that we can do those kind of real-time imaging and also uh, sensitive real-time imaging study uh, on cells. There are there, uh, uh, many type of nanoparticles, such as iron uh, oxide, uh, gold nanoparticles. Uh, they, can, they can be easily manufactured with a very similar surface coating as quantum does. So we actually expect that our uh, PMO polymer coating technology uh, will be compatible with all those kind of non-toxic or low-toxicity nanoparticles as well.
1: Well, that sounds great, Xiaohu. Thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Uh, thank you for having me.
0: That's it for today's show. Thanks to Prashant Kamat and Zhao Hu Gao for joining us on the podcast, and thanks to you for
1: listening. Join us again next month for more research highlights from ACS Nano, and be sure to visit us online at www.acsnano.org.